stand up before a crowd and with knees locked and a tense jaw just deliver it like he's done it all his life. Should be proud of him. Thank you for being here this day. Good to see all of you that have made the effort. We're going to take a little road trip today. Last week we took a walk, but this week we're going to take more of your traditional road trip. This sermon is entitled, The Roman Road. Anybody ever been on the Roman Road over in Italy or Turkey? It extends the, they call them the via, by way of. Well, many people talk about the Roman road within the book of Romans. Some people say there's not a drop of water on the Roman road. You may wonder what that means now, but perhaps you'll understand that as we get a little bit further. With any road trip, a couple of things we need to know. Now, if you're a Sunday driver, you may just decide you're going to go sightseeing. Your destination, ultimately, is you're going to end up home. But wherever you end up on that day to see whatever it is that's beautiful to see around, that's a sightseeing trip. But then we have our trips of which we have a destination. First thing we need to know is what our destination is when we're going to take a road trip. May be important to some people. It should be important to all of us. For, as Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, how will you know when you get there? But our destination was actually the verses that were read today from Romans chapter 6. Because within Romans chapter 6, it talks about buried with Christ, baptized into Christ to walk in newness of life. That's the destination. But how does one get to that destination? What road do we travel on in the book of Romans, on that Roman road? Well, you first have to know where you're at. If someone calls you up and says, now how do I get to your house? What's the first question you're going to ask them if they're a stranger? Well, where are you at? If someone's coming here from Ohio, you're not going to give them directions on how to get there from the Upper Peninsula unless they really want to take the scenic route. But from where they're at, that's where you start with your directions. Where is it that we are starting with on the Roman road? So we have the two things that we need to know. Where we're going to end up, and more importantly, where are we starting from? And from there begins the directions. How are we going to get there? As Paul says in Romans chapter 6, it was a thread. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? So we found out how we're going to get into Christ. That's not the only time that Paul talks about going into Christ. He wrote to the churches in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verses 25 through 27. But now that faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now some will say that there's a point earlier that we are in Christ. But according to Romans chapter 6, 
In Galatians chapter 3, it says that for as many as us were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Well, if I'm already in Christ, when I'm baptized, how do I put on Christ? I thought I was already there. Well, let's take a trip down that road. Really, our beginning, our starting point in Romans begins in Romans chapter 10. We think, well, why doesn't it begin way back in, in chapter 1, in verse 1, as Paul says, I'm going to take you on that Roman road, and this is where we're going to end up. Well, that's not how Paul's writing. But we'll find where Paul's taking us. Because in Romans chapter 10, if you'd like to turn there and follow along, you'll easily recognize this passage. Romans 10, beginning in verse 13, and for as many of you have picked up your bulletin, as Greg said, you can hold my feet to the fire. You'll know exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> and thanks for reminding me of that so I can stay on track. He begins at verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I like the way that Paul starts at the end and begins to work backwards here. As he, as he tells them about those who will call on the Lord. Well, how are they going to call on one they haven't heard of? That's where our responsibility comes in as those who have obeyed the gospel, those who know the trip that they are take. We preach to them. The very beginning is they must hear it from the word of God. They must understand when people asked in the book of Acts, what must I do to be saved? In Acts chapter 2, the very beginning of the church, when those who had heard Peter's message and realized that they had crucified the Son of God. When they said, what shall we do? And Peter says, oh, don't worry about it. As long as you're sorry. Well, as long as you believe that there's a God, that's okay. No, that's not what Peter told them. Peter told them to repent and be baptized. He had preached the gospel to them. He had preached that Jesus Christ had come to this earth, that he had lived and died, was buried, but rose again just as the Scriptures had foretold of this. So that's the, that's the beginning point, is they must be preached to. They must be, in a sense, willing to listen, willing to hear the good news. That's where it begins. Well, how can they unless someone's sent? Well, that's our job. We are sent. The great commission that we were given in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, in Mark 16, 16, that tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So there's the beginning of this. In fact, Paul really does begin in Romans chapter 1 and verse 15. He says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And those monumental words that Paul spoke, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God has revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Then he tells them, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness 
suppress the truth. For in preaching the gospel, it's not just, well, believe in God, it's, it's the right thing to do. But he tells them here that there is going to be a wrath from God that is going to be revealed one day. There is going to be a judgment day. As Paul told those who were in Athens, he talks about that there is going to be a day coming in which he will judge the world through this man whom he sent. So they're hearing what? Well, they're hearing the gospel. The gospel, and there must be obedience. You must obey that. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And in that gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. All of these things we are telling people that they must do in order to be saved. The very beginning point. And as we continue on down the Roman road, we come to Romans chapter 3, of which people are made aware of one thing that every human being has in common. One thing that we all share, those who have reached, as we call it, the age of accountability. Those little babies don't have this, but adults come to that point. For in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 25, he says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, through Christ. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to, receive, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because of his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. A righteousness that was apart from the law, apart from works that we had to achieve, but it's a righteousness through faith. Notice how many times that word faith is going to come up, that milepost as we walk along that Roman road to find out how we have come to that point in Romans chapter 6. For he tells us that all have sinned. And as a result, we come down to Romans chapter 6 and verse 20. Nearly all of our verses are going to be in Romans, so you're in you won't have to turn very far as we go through here. Romans chapter 6 and verse 20 says, For when you were slaves to sin, who's he talking to now? He's talking to Christians. Though you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things was death. But now that you've been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. That's ultimately our destination. Now he tells us what the wages we would have gotten from sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice how we have come to that point where we preached about Christ. We have preached that all have sinned. But we also begin to say that there are consequences to that sin, that the wages of sin is death. But we don't stop there on the road because we have not reached our destination. We have not reached that point of where we are going to end earlier in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 tells us, we'll begin in verse 2, for we know 
that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. He's talking about those sins. If you'd like a list of those sins, back up just a little bit in Romans chapter 1 and you'll see those things that are listed. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or you do presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? We don't stop at that point and say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death, and leave people there to sit in their sorrow and say, then I guess I'm lost. But no, he says, it is meant, these things that are preached are meant to show you a different way, a way that leads to repentance. But repentance isn't the end of our journey. Repentance simply is in the middle. Now we go back to Romans chapter 10. We think, well, boy, he sure is jumping off, jumping around an awful lot. But many good roads have winding turns. In Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 11, Romans 10, beginning in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. You see, this is the destination of many on the Roman road. It is there that they say, I don't find a drop of water anywhere in that scripture. And you know what they're referring to. That baptism is not important to one's salvation. But that's not what you and I have read in Romans. But this confession, he says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But confession is made unto, on the way to salvation. You see, we're not in the Lord yet. We're still on the road. But within the context of what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 10, and remember we read earlier from Romans 10, 17, when it talked about that beautiful news that people have heard. Hearing the gospel, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God or the word of Christ, depending on your translation. And now we have come to that point. People have understood that they are sinners, but there is a way out through repentance. But repentance isn't the end. They understand that it is to confess, just as Paul says here, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's consistent with what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven confess that Jesus is Lord. We're not ashamed. Paul said about the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So we have heard the gospel. We have believed the gospel. We have understood that it requires repentance. We understand that it requires us to be able to confess Christ, not only in this day unto salvation, but continuing through the rest of our lives, confessing. Now we have come back full circle, all the way to where we started. 
Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, by no means. You see, within the context that he talks about being saved, we don't become to that point of salvation by being baptized into Christ simply to walk back into the world. And perhaps you and I have known people that way, that their only goal was to be baptized, and it's the last that we ever see of them. I've known people that way that walk back into the world because they thought, that's all I need to do. But let's read. How, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You see, that's the journey's end as it relates to that salvation that puts us into Christ. But where does the journey go from there? It doesn't end there. That we too might walk in newness of life. I wonder what that newness of life looks like. If I were a gossip in my former life, does that mean that it's okay to be a gossip in my new life? Let's not vote on that. The scripture says no. If I was a murderer in my former life, now that I walk in newness of life, is it okay to continue to be a murderer? That's a rhetorical question in which the answer is already built in. We know. We know that that is not. That those former sins that we walked in were former. That's what repentance means. I'm going to turn from them and walk in newness of life. I have a new path, a new journey that I am on. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. So I'm baptized, and ten minutes later I commit a sin, and I just throw up my hands and say, what's the use? I keep on sinning. Now, you're going to walk in newness of life. To understand that that's not the end, we will continue to have those, if I called it a hiccup, I'd be putting it too lightly, wouldn't I? If I called it a mistake, that would be too lightly. Yeah. Sin is sin. But now that we are walking in newness of life, we are being continually cleansed if we continue to walk with him. You see, we were buried with him when we went down below the watery grave of baptism. The old life died, just as Paul said. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death. If I'm already in him at the point that I believed, you see... Many people will say that, well, we've taught you, we believe you can say this little prayer. How many of you have heard the sinner's prayer? Have you found it in Scripture? No. No. 
You will search long and hard to find that. It's well-intentioned, but it's not on the Roman road. Paul tells us what we must do, and he puts it so plainly for us to understand. To walk in newness of life from that point. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, from what he has just spoken about in chapter 11. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do I know what the will of God is? There's only one book in the world that tells us what the will of God is, and I'm holding it right now. I have no doubt that I know the will of God if I read his word. He tells me exactly what his will is and what I must do, not only to be saved, but to walk in newness of life. And Paul says to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We back up a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. I come back to this verse quite often because it tells me, and you've heard me say it before, if I have one thing in this world that I know that is my goal, I read it here in Romans 8, 29. That everything else flows out from this. For when Paul says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Everything else in our lives flows out from that. But everything about my life is to be conformed to the image of his Son. As I walk in my newness of life, to be an imitator of, of Christ. That is my goal in life. And everything about how I walk, how I talk, how I look, how I listen, how I labor with my hands, all is about being conformed to the image of his son. That's my walk. That's my journey. That's my roadmap. You see, we're all on that same journey. Our destination as we pass from this life will be what awaits us after. And someone once said that we really have two choices in the end, smoking and non-smoking. I wonder about that. Pardon me for the levity, but... Someone told me that, and there's some truth to that. We have, it is our choice in eternal life. While we are yet here on this earth, we have the choice of whether we are going to walk in newness of life with the expectation that eternal life will be with God. And if not, another worse, unbelievable destiny awaits those who have made the choice not to follow the will of God. And they will accept those consequences. For, as the Hebrew writer tells us, it is appointed to man once to die, and then the judgment. For everything about what happens after the judgment is based upon what we do in this life. 
and what journey, what road, what path we choose to follow. What road are you on today? It's right there in black and white on your outline. What road are you on today? What is your destination? Jesus said that he is the way and the truth and the life. If he is the way, let's walk in his way. You've heard what road you need to be on. And as we extend that invitation to you this day, I hope that we are walking on the same road together that leads to life eternal with God. But if not, we're here to help in any way that we can to bring you on that road today. The road that Paul tells us about in the book of Romans. Whatever your need is today, we plead with you, make the right choice while there is yet time. As together we stand and sing.